When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Thursday, March 15th, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 254 featuring sporting news NBA writer Sean Devaney is powered by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics and use the code Celtics for $50 towards select mattresses. That's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and using the code Celtics at checkout. All right, everyone, what's going on? Adam Kaufman here with you for another edition of Celtics Beat. Now, of course, once again, pay attention. Just like I said last week, this is a Thursday release. A Thursday release. Historically, the show comes out on Sundays. Well, we're mixing it up here for the duration of the regular season and into the playoffs because, again, we want to be as up-to-date as humanly possible with this team and all that is going on, hitting on all the major storylines. So our schedule is going to be a little unpredictable, for lack of a better word, which again puts us here on a Thursday. So how do you pay attention? How do you not miss a show? How do you avoid missing shows? Because clearly that is important to me and it should be to you as well if you're bothering to listen to this right now. Well, the answer is subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, follow me on Twitter, set up those notifications, whatever it is, however you go about getting your normal Celtics beat news or wanting to get your Celtics beat news, I would encourage you to go about it and take it to the next level. Subscribe on iTunes. If you want more shows, if you want longer shows, if you want more interviews, whatever it may be, leave ratings. We always appreciate five stars, but be honest. Put how you really feel and we'll strive toward a five if it's not. Leave ratings, leave comments, tell us how much you like the show, don't like the show, whatever it may be. Just let us know that you're out there. That's what we care about more than anything else. Subscribe for the show on iTunes. Leave ratings. Leave comments. Hit me up on Twitter if you want, at Adam M. Kaufman. All right, enough of the sell and the spiel and all that. Let's talk about the show. Now, part of the reason this is coming out today as opposed to this coming weekend is we are just right in the thick of all of this injury information with this team. Last night, look at last night, for example. A hard-fought, determined, not soul-crushing, but disappointing loss at the hands of the Wizards at the Garden. A team that should have dominated the Celtics, even without John Wall. A game in which the Seas really had no business being in, let alone scoring 
37 points in the first quarter and leading by 20 at one point or having multiple opportunities to win this game at the end of regulation if Marcus Morris doesn't have a brain fart and actually decides to guard Jody Meeks and not leaving him open for a three-pointer to tie the game with two and a half seconds left. Or at the end of overtime, if Jason Tatum hits a free throw. Or at the end of double overtime, if Jason Tatum doesn't take an ISO three at the buzzer when you're down by one point. There were so many chances to win this game. And quite frankly, I mean, I, I, I guess I made waves on Twitter about this last night. People seem to take offense for whatever reason. I said, I don't care who is on your team. I don't care what your roster looks like. If you go up by 20 points, you should win that game. Even if everybody's playing over their heads, you should win that game. Withstand, sustain. A, a 20-point lead in the first half, still up at halftime by 7 points or whatever it was, and then just falling apart there as the game moves along slowly to to the point where just you let Bradley Beal do whatever you want. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this game because this is not a show that's going to react to every single game. It's a big-picture show with big-picture topics, which is why when Sean Devaney from Sporting News joins me in a little bit, we are going to hit on a ton as it relates to the injuries on this team and as it relates to Ray Allen's new book and all of the drama existing even still 10 years later with that 2008 championship team and, of course, the group stayed together a few years after that as well. Sean has written extensively about Ray's new book, hasn't hit newsstands yet, but had a lot of fascinating information in there. But again, just regarding with where this team is at right now, as we talk, in that game again last night, you have Terry Rozier go off, 21 points, 17 straight games with 10 plus points, continues to play out of his mind for this club, and, and I continue to wonder about his future, but really we're at least a year away from, in all likelihood, barring a trade, having a, a big conversation about that. He's going to be here, and he's going to play a pivotal role. Al Horford, out with an illness, and again, he's out. Kyrie Irving's out. Jalen Brown's out. Marcus Smart's out. Daniel Tice is out. Gordon Hayward, if you want to put him in that conversation, he is out. Horford should play tomorrow, Friday, in Orlando. Kyrie Irving, unlikely to play in that one, but could play the second leg of that road trip. He's on the road with the team, and the MRI on the knee came back clean. That's great news. Jalen Brown remains in concussion protocol, so he's not close anyway. Maybe next week. Marcus Smart, that's just a a giant mystery. He may return in the short term. He may not return at all. He may need surgery and anything in between. Of course, Daniel Tice surgery today, so we know that he is done for the year. But this team, in its final, what, 14 games, I think, left in the regular season, it's winding down firmly in that second spot right now, well out of first, four and a half behind the Raptors, comfortably in that second spot ahead of the Pacers and the Cavs. Seas just have to, and I keep saying this, withstand, prioritize rest and rehab and getting everyone as healthy as humanly possible for about a month from now. And I spent a lot of time talking about that on last week's show. But where are they at right now with the serious lack of bodies and basically putting the main red claws on the court last night? Well, Terry Rozier knows that this is really next man up at the highest level. We got a lot of guys that can play, man. So uh, this is the NBA. This is a lot of opportunity for a lot of guys, and uh, you just got to make the best of it. That's what we're looking to do. If you want to get your fill of Celtic sound, make sure you subscribe also to the CLNS YouTube page. So even beyond subscribing to iTunes, where you'll get to hear Celtic speed and and all of the great things that we bring you with this show, if you want just raw Celtics post-game sound, pre-game sound, all of it, CLNS, the YouTube page, that's the place to go for that. But Rozier knows he's going to be playing a larger role for this team than he would have ever banked on. He's going to be starting with Irving out, even when Irving does come back, if Smart doesn't come back, he's going to be playing those 30 minutes a game.
claim that he wasn't before that Smart was. He is going to have to take on a larger role and continue doing what he is doing and eventually make himself a whole lot of money. I believe he's a starting point guard in the NBA at some point. He's not there yet, but as far as when Marcus Smart is coming back, we just don't know. Danny Ainge was on 98.5 The Sports Hub earlier today, and this is what he had to say about it. I think that there's a chance he plays and a chance he's done. I mean, we're, we're all waiting to figure out what that's going to be. And he's in New York today getting another opinion, a hand specialist there. And I guess we'll all talk over the next few days, give it a week to sort of heal or at least calm down the injury to see if he can tape it and play or if it's something that needs surgery. Yeah, so I don't know. That's what he said. He basically said, I don't know. Brad Stevens said the same thing a couple of days ago. That's where we're at with Marcus Smart. And it just, it sucks. It really sucks. The self-inflicted hand injury that he did to himself a a little while back now, and then obviously this one, which was just a quintessential Marcus Smart. It came from hustling and diving for a loose ball, and and that's great. You don't fault him for for putting that all-out effort there. This is just a a bad luck situation, jamming the thumb that he did and and possibly injuring the tendon to the point of, of needing surgery. But he is so... So important to this team, and and we can discuss more about that later on and and what the ceiling is for this group with Marcus Smart versus without. But it wasn't just an update on Smart. How about Kyrie Irving and that knee problem that existed even before he came to the Celtics? Was there any hesitancy on the part of the Seas making that deal and bringing in a guy that already had a pre-existing knee issue? There was a lot of discussion, and and that was a a big part of it going forward, too. You know, Kyrie had the injury, I don't know, two and a half years ago now, three years ago. So we knew that there would be maintenance issues, but his long-term prognostication is good. He's going to have some maintenance issues here and there. We knew coming into this year that he probably wasn't going to be an 82-game guy. He was going to be, you know, a 72-75 to game guy and be in order to keep him fresh for the playoffs. And that's what it's been. And, and we're just extra cautious. We have the good fortune of being extra cautious right now. We want him fresh and healthy, and we think that he will be come playoff time. He has some uh, surgery that may need to happen, but maybe not this summer, maybe the following summer, or maybe the summer after that. I think that he could probably do it anytime he wanted, but I'm not sure that it's needed at this moment. So I brought this up last week, and some of you out there thought I was crazy for even addressing the potential of surgery. I don't know how you could possibly ignore that, especially when there was that pre-existing report out of Cleveland.com at the time of the trade. He's going to need surgery. That's just my my unprofessional opinion. My, you know, not a doctor, haven't asked Kyrie Irving about it, haven't inspected the knee, not that I would know what I'm looking for, opinion. He's going to need surgery. Maybe that's not this offseason, like Danny said. Maybe it's the next. Maybe it's the one after that. But he has to get this issue corrected. He's... 25 years old, and yes, you know, it's it's something that could linger throughout his career. Cedric Maxwell talked about that, but it's also entirely possible that this will be resolved and won't be that big a deal. We don't have to sit here and believe this is going to affect Kyrie Irving's long-term future in Boston, but in the short term of caring about the 2018 postseason, of course it does. And so, how do you manage Kyrie Irving for the duration of this year? What the Celtics are doing, right? Don't play him all that much. Sit him out as as much as humanly possible so that he's ready to come back and play 35 minutes a night in the playoffs and doesn't have to worry with games a little more spread out about sitting out games. That's what we all want to avoid here. We want a healthy, 
Kyrie Irving because this team without Hayward already who it, it doesn't look like is coming back Danny Ainge even even talked about that interesting enough by the way on Hayward he actually said Hayward had a setback in his rehab for a couple weeks about a month ago and they were progressing a little too fast they thought and that's what brought that on so they're still not planning on having him back but that's an interesting little detail that hasn't been out there the fact that Hayward maybe was pushing things beyond what he should have been and, and maybe to the dismay of the organization I have no idea that could just be a theory but obviously it has slowed things down so with Irving with Smart with Brown you're not going to mess with a brain injury clearly and and just all that is going on sit rest hope you don't lose that second seed maybe you take a a less measured view later in the regular season if you have to but just worry about that two seed staying put getting guys healthy forget about the one Toronto's not going to fall apart and go from there so we're going to get into all of this stuff with Sean Devney in fact let's let's bring him in now we'll take your Twitter questions a little bit later on in the show but Sean covers the NBA for Sporting News and Sean you've had a busy week publishing a a whole lot of news from Ray Allen about his time with the Celts and the feud that just may never end it's it's pretty remarkable you know it is you're right it is a feud that uh that that doesn't seem to end it's hard to believe it's been 10 years since they won that championship and and uh you know six years this summer since ray allen left but uh uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's something that, that still resonates with people. It's something where the, I think the personalities, uh, stuck with people the way things went down. Uh, you know, there's still some mystery about it. Everybody's got their own version of events. And as long as that remains the case, I think, uh, uh I think people are going to be interested in it. Yeah, it's funny. My wife tells me that I hate confrontation, but I can't get enough of this story. I, I love, maybe just because I'm not involved in it. But, but... Yeah, it's not your confrontation, so you don't have to worry <laughs> yeah. about it. You can read about it other people's confrontation and uh i know but it, I, and but that, that's a great word because uh uh it just seemed like uh uh certainly starting around 2011 or so uh that 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 locker room was uh, uh was overwhelmed by confrontation some of the things ray allen said uh in the book uh you know really did surprise me I want to get to a whole lot of that, but we're going to do it later on because there are some fascinating elements to what's in that new book. And first, though, the 2018 incarnation, because these seas, they're incredibly banged up. Knowing what you know right now, what is this team ceiling and how significant is the drop in from how you may have answered that question a week or two ago? Yeah, I think it's uh it's really unfortunate. You know, obviously uh they 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 start the year with uh, uh an injury that would have devastated most teams and and uh and they were able to uh, uh to withstand it. Uh you know, having said that, uh, you know, the the guys that they're that 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 they're losing uh man it's 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 tough to imagine because you know you lose a guy who you're paying the money that you're paying to Gordon Hayward uh and uh it just puts so much pressure on your bench uh then then you turn around and you lose uh, a couple of key bench pieces like Marcus Smart and and, and Daniel Tice and it's just hard to uh, uh there's just nothing left you know there's just nothing you you're really turning to guys who are are just too untested so uh it's it, it's tough if if they had those those two guys, and and I think around the league, a lot of people would say, "Wow, anybody could withstand losing Daniel Tice or, or Marcus Smart." But I think if you watch this team, then you know how important those guys are, uh, especially in the playoffs when uh, uh, you need that defense, you need the ability to uh, be versatile and and to use different lineups. Like that's something that Tice gives you. Um, you know, so without that, I think it becomes much much tougher to see. Uh, you know how this team could wind up uh, uh, in the NBA Finals, which I think is the goal. 
We still don't know the extent of Marcus Smart's injury. How big right. a difference is his health for this team in terms of a playoff run? As someone that, you know, like me, like so many people listening to this podcast, that do watch this team closely and do understand his value. Yeah, you know, and, and, and like I say, it, it, it's not just what his value is because, we, you know, I, I think everybody who watches and, 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 and sees what he does defensively and, and how many problems he causes for other teams uh, on the defensive end. And, and you live with some of the, the, the poor offense. But, but even offensively, I, don't think, I, I think he gets a worse reputation uh, based on the field goal percentage than, mm-hmm. uh, than, than what he actually does offensively. I don't think he's, he's, a, he's a drag on, uh, on the offense when he's out there. Um, but you take that and, and you take what, what you know is his value. Uh, and then, and then you look at okay, well, once he's gone, what replaces him? And and, and that's where it really becomes a problem because you just don't have much. Uh, you know, if you have to play, uh, you know, Ojale more minutes, or you just don't have enough there uh, to to really make up for the absence of a guy like Marcus Smart. Uh, and 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 that's where you know, going back to the Hayward injury, that's where that hurts you. Is 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 that uh, uh, you, you know you don't have that. Uh, uh, where you might have you know three four deep at a position, uh, now all of a sudden you're uh, you're you're really lacking when you get into an injury like that. You know, I spoke with Sean Grandy a few weeks ago at this point after Smart's first hand injury, and he felt that his future with the Celtics, contractually, financially, all of it, would be largely determined by how he closed the season after that self-inflicted wound. And now it's possible, we don't know for sure, but it's possible he's done. This problem happened, though, as a result of what Smart does best, hustling, you know, going going for the yeah. loose ball, diving. What is right. his future with the Seas, do you think? I, I don't think there's a future with the Seas, to be honest with you. I, you know, I think that... Uh, I, I, the way that Danny seems to operate is, uh, you know, he's been able to get these draft picks, and the idea is bring them in, uh, coach them up, and develop them for, for, for four years and, and, and get that cheap deal. Uh, you know, you're on the rookie scale contract, so that allows you to do other things in terms of free agency because you're paying the guys relatively nothing. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you get to the end of the four-year deal, unless the guy's a superstar, you don't pay him. You know, you saw that with, with Kelly Olenek last year. So uh, I think I see the same pattern happening here uh, with Marcus Smart, that uh, uh, they're just not going to decide that, that he's going to be worth the money. Now, we'll have to see what the market is. You know, if, if he goes out and gets a, a, you know, a three-year, $24 million offer, and that's the best he can do, that might change things. But, I, you know, I think his deal is probably going to be closer to the $12 million a year range uh, and at that I don't think that the Celtics uh, uh, you know are going to be in a position to uh, uh, to match a contract like that so I think he winds up elsewhere again though it's still a matter of uh, uh, okay what team is going to be willing uh, to give that kind of money to Marcus Smart. So it's funny you say that because uh, I've always been under the impression of course absolutely the finances play into it but I've always felt that Danny Ainge loves Marcus Smart and maybe he does whether he brings him back or not but that he would in fact re-sign him if as you noted the price is right. Cedric Maxwell when I spoke with him last week you know I, I, I kind of forced him to decide you can have one guy is it Marcus Smart or is it Terry Rozier going forward and Based on the defense, the mentality, what this team looked like when Smart was out the first time around, and just all the intangibles, the things that he brings, he said Smart. It sounds yeah. like talking to you, you'd maybe go the other way. Yeah, I, I just well, again, it depends on the money, but I, I um, it, and, and to me, it's not necessarily a matter of do you like the guy or not. And we and we've seen this with Danny is that 
he's he's cold. <laughs> you know, you get to <laughs> you get to where you have to make these decisions, and 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 you put your heart over here, and you put your brain over there, and he goes with the brain, and and I think that's uh, I think that's that's how this plays out. Is that I don't know that uh, uh, that 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 paying smart the kind of money he might get from a team like a Dallas or a uh, or, or an Indiana that uh, that that that's going to be something that. Uh, uh, that that Danny's going to want to do because it, it it's the kind of thing that that, that hamstrings you going forward and and the, he's been very careful about that. That's been one of the hallmarks of uh, of this team under Danny Ainge is that he's been very careful about uh, you know trying not to, to to handicap himself with bad contracts and 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 I just don't think that that contract uh, uh, would be something that uh, uh, that the Celtics could uh, uh, could absorb given what they're paying everybody else. I, I just don't see that happening. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I look, I, I like what Marcus Smart can offer and what he can bring, of course, but I just don't think that uh, uh, that, that it's going to make sense for this team when uh, uh, when he actually gets an offer uh, this summer. All right, we'll get back to Sean in a second. Just want to tell you today's episode brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Do you know humans spend one-third of their life sleeping? Actually sounds kind of nice to me, but why would you waste time with an uncomfortable mattress? That's absolutely true. That's why you need to shop with Casper. Casper mattresses are designed by humans for humans. They're built to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for every body type. For example, take the original Casper mattress. The original Casper combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of sink and bounce. Casper also offers two other mattress models, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. The Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. And all of this is designed, developed, and assembled in the United States. Casper makes life easy for the consumer. Affordable prices, hassle-free returns, and free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. And right now, listen to this. My listeners get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and using my promo code Celtics at checkout. Easy to remember. $50 towards select mattresses by going to casper.com slash Celtics, promo code Celtics at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's go back to Sean here. So I've wondered aloud quite a bit recently about Kyrie Irving and his knee injury and if he needs surgery down the road. Danny Ainge actually spoke this morning and said he might at some point in the next few off seasons, but the long-term prognosis is good. That's, you know, the official word from the organization. Does any part of you fear that Irving is damaged goods? No, I, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I mean... <laughs> They're really good with knees these days. I mean, it's just it's 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 much different even than it was ten years ago. Certainly than it was fifteen years ago. Uh, that uh, uh, you know, I think the meniscus is probably the thing that you worry about the most. And as as long as that is is sound, then then you probably got uh, a long term career ahead of you. I mean, you can even look at a guy like Dwayne Wade. Um, you know, who's had knee problems his whole career, uh, and he had meniscus problems. He had his meniscus removed, which is supposed to be something that takes away the end of your career, and you can still see him out there playing. So, um, you know, obviously not at the same level that he was, but 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 I wouldn't say necessarily that his knees ruined his career. So, yeah, I, I just think that uh, surgically <laughs> that, that that is one area where uh, the, the NBA and, and, and really all sports uh, have just made such great strides 
uh, that, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I think, yeah, you'd absolutely worry about it. Now, I think they're so good at, uh, uh, at dealing with knees and, and, and removing the small bodies that, uh, uh, that get dislodged and, and um, you know, pieces of the kneecap, like what happened with uh, Kyrie Irving uh, in, the, in the finals a couple years ago. Uh, they're just really good at dealing with that. So, uh, you know, I, I, I worry about it, of course. You know, you don't want a guy dealing with something like that, but I just think that, uh, uh, that the technology in terms of uh, uh, knee surgeries, has it's made so much progress that uh, uh, I think whatever's wrong, uh, there's going to be a way to take care of it. I feel like I know the answer to this question then even before I ask it, but I will anyhow. Do you believe that any of this is going to impact the Celts giving Irving a max deal when he's eligible after next year? You know, I, I think that they'll certainly try to, uh, uh, to, to, to play that game and, 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 and see if that gets them a discount, but I think in the end, no. I, I think in the end, um, you, you know, they're going to pay him uh, what they've got to pay him. You know, I mean, that's, 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 that's why they did what they did, and, and uh, that's why they brought him here to begin with. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see that uh, uh, being something that, uh, that, that drastically change, changes what they're going to pay him. You know, like I say, they might try to, you know, maybe have a partial guarantee on the final year of the deal, something like that, but I, I don't see it uh, uh, having uh, uh, a major impact on, uh, on what they wind up paying him. Living in the moment here, can Irving realistically come back for the playoffs and play big minutes, or is it Terry Rozier who's going to have to play that much more important a role going forward? You know, a combination of both. You know, I think it's something that they've 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 got to monitor, obviously. But uh, uh, but you know, I think uh, uh, they're still going to need uh, uh, Kyrie to be the star. They're still going to need him to to carry the load offensively. But uh, uh, I think that that certainly one of the really positive things about this season has been uh, the way that, uh, that that Terry Rozier has, has stepped up when called upon, and 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 especially when he knows it, it seems like when he knows he's He's, he's going to have a big role. He plays that much better. So uh, I, I expect that to be a combination of both, that, uh, uh, that uh, you're still going to need, you know, if this team's going anywhere, it's still going to need uh, Kyrie Irving to be a big contributor. But I think that uh, uh, fr- from, from, you know, mid-October to now, I think Terry Rozier has made, you know, as much progress as anybody, really. Jason Tatum was asked to play huge minutes. I mean, 46 minutes against the Wizards, and clearly that was irregular. It was out of necessity. It was basically the Red Claws out there on the court around him as well. There were people who felt this guy had hit a rookie wall even before this. At the All-Star break, there was some degree of, and I use the word loosely, but panic, and and he needed to slow down. Is the extra workload now going to affect his stretch run? Yeah, I mean, I think that's inevitable, you know, and and I think that... uh, uh, as well as he played in the first half of the year, he, he hasn't been quite the same. He certainly, uh, you know, has has done well, I think, to manage it and 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 to bring himself back a little bit. Uh, but you know, obviously, uh, uh, for, for most rookies, the wall comes in January. You know, it's around mid-January uh, and then into February, and 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 there's a tendency to bounce back after the after the All-Star break, and I think he's fitting that pattern. But you know, he, he hasn't been as good as he was. Uh, uh, early in the year, and, and and it would be too much to expect him to uh, uh, to play at that level, uh, given the the wear and tear on his body, something that he's never really experienced at this age. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think there is an aspect of that, but uh, uh, but you know, I think he's done a pretty nice job of managing it. And like I say, I think it's something that uh, for, for, for a player like him, 
it, it, it's to be expected, and, and I think he's done well uh, given the number of minutes he's had to play and, and given the fact that he did deal with that rookie wall, uh, particularly you know around mid-January through, uh, through the All-Star break. Uh, I, think, I think he's handled it uh, uh, as well as you could possibly expect. Where do you rank Tatum in the rookie class right now? Not in terms of what you've seen specifically this year, but his NBA future and the outlook. Well, uh, you know, if you, if you don't count Ben Simmons... Uh, I don't. I'd, I'd, yeah. Right. Right. If you if you if you take him out, uh, you know, I'd have him certainly uh, uh, right there with Donovan Mitchell. You know, I, I think that uh, uh, Mitchell has been, uh, you know, obviously a, a real eye opener. Uh, but you know, as far as ceiling goes, I, I think Tatum has a higher ceiling than Mitchell. I think what we've seen from Mitchell uh, is uh, uh, has been great. Uh, but in terms of you know how much, let's say, uh, if you put it in a percentage, Mitchell might get say twenty five percent better. I think Tatum can still get fifty percent better. You know, I still think mm. that that he has uh, a much higher ceiling uh, in terms of uh, just how good he can be. So uh, you know, I think those two guys. Uh, you start with them, and I, and I think that uh, uh, it's those two guys and, and pretty much everybody else uh, in, in what is a, a really good rookie class overall. Are there still things that you'd like to see Tatum doing better or doing more of? Yeah, I mean, uh, sure. You know, re- rebounding, I think, uh, um, you know, handling uh, uh, double teams and things like that, you know, being able to read double teams and being able to uh, make the right passes. Uh, uh, you know, he tends to play it safe, which which is probably what you want to do uh, for a rookie. But, uh, you know, as he gets older, he'll understand, you know, skip passes and, and, and ways to, uh, uh, to, to find – you know, I think he has – that level of versatility uh, where he can be a guy who can average, you know, four or five assists a game. Uh, but, but I think that's something that uh, uh, experience is going to dictate. Uh, uh, and uh, that's something that uh, I think he'll learn uh, over the last, uh, uh, I'm sorry, over the next couple of years. Last one here before we get to the Ray Allen stuff. Daniel Tice, he's done for the year, surgery, we know that. Can Greg Monroe step up and fill that void? I mean, what are reasonable expectations? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think so because – uh, like I say, what, 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 I, what I liked about Tice is that, you know, he gave you the ability to, uh, if, if a team comes out and, you know, you're playing Washington and they, they, pull, they pull Marcin Gortat and they have, uh, you know, a, a, a small center, they go with the small lineup, that's, that's where I'd like to see Daniel Tice and, and, and the hustle and things like that. It, that's that's not Greg Monroe's deal, you know. That's not his. <laughs> that's not his thing. Uh, you know, he's uh, obviously he's a skilled offensive player, uh, but but you know, he doesn't really fit the way the Celtics play offense. So, uh, and that's really been his problem in his career. Is 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 as good as he is. Uh, there aren't many teams that play in a Greg Monroe fashion anymore. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's really been a problem. So I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think he can necessarily uh, do the things that, that, that Tice does. But, uh, you know, if they, if they make some adjustments on the bench and, and uh, you know, run the ball through Monroe a little bit, especially on the offensive end, they can create some mismatches there because uh, he is such a great passer uh, from the high post. And uh, you can do some things with that. Uh, but but you know in, in terms of uh, uh, necessarily fitting in with the way the rest of the team plays, uh, it's 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 going to be tough. You know I think Tice was uh, uh, just just the ideal role player for this team, uh, and uh, and Monroe is, is is just not that guy. All right, John, let's talk Ray Allen because his new book, From the Outside: My Journey Through Life and the Game I Love, comes out later this month. You received an advanced copy. You were the first to write about it and break down a lot of the stuff in there. Many many interesting stories. What was your biggest revelation? 
You know, uh, probably the, the the fact, and 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 uh, you know, I'd have to ask Doc Rivers this to to, to, to see what he says. Uh, but you know, the thing where where, where Ray said, and there was talk, uh, if you remember, before the 2011 season started, it was during the lockout, uh, and uh, and uh, there was talk that uh, uh, obviously Chris Paul was about to get traded. He let the Hornets know uh, that, uh, that 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 he wanted to be traded. Uh, winds up, of course, he had the deal with the Lakers that got nixed, and then you had uh, him finally winding up with the Clippers. Uh, but there was apparently a deal on the table involving Rondo uh, and uh, and and uh, um, basically a Rondo package for uh, Chris Paul. And ultimately, according to Ray Allen, at least uh, Doc Rivers, you know, who who coached Monty Williams uh, in Orlando and was a big reason that that Monty Williams got into coaching himself. Uh, according to Ray, Doc just couldn't do that to, to Monty Williams. He couldn't, he could, couldn't bear to, to to stick him with Rajon Rondo. So uh, that that to me was uh, uh, an eye opener because I certainly remember all the uh, all the rumors and all the discussion at the time. Uh, and if if that's true, if it was ultimately Doc Rivers saying I can't do this to Monty Williams, that's pretty remarkable. So I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you specifically about that because of all the things, at least that you wrote about, this was the one or one of the ones that was sort of the hardest to believe. You know. For, yeah. for a range of reasons, and, and we both know, we remember the reports at the time that it was this thing wasn't even brought up. It was the whole Chris Paul wouldn't sign off on an extension right. in yeah. Boston, and so that was kind of how it was sold. But let's say that what Ray Allen is saying is true. I don't understand or believe, for that matter, that Danny Ainge, as you said, as cold as he is, would have really passed up something like that. The better player, the clearly better player, just because Doc didn't want to do that to his buddy. No, right, and I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd have to ask Doc Rivers about that before I, uh, before I gave it that much credence. It's probably something that, uh, uh, that you know, maybe Doc said in passing, or, uh, or as a joke, and, and and Ray heard it and 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 related it in the book. But, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, I would have a hard time believing that, uh, uh, you know, if 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 the uh, New Orleans was 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 dumb enough to take Rondo for uh, for Chris Paul at the time <laughs> that that the Celtics wouldn't have jumped on that. Uh, I would have a hard time believing that. Well, and Ray really just aired out his relationship, certainly with Rondo, with Kevin Garnett, and the clashing egos and immaturity, and KG always kind of wanted to be the alpha, and we we know that of his personality, the way and various reasons why he views the perception of his exit as unfair, but how much, and and that last point is as good a springboard for this question as any, how much of what Ray wrote should we believe? You know, I, I, I found, and, and uh, I probably didn't express this enough in the in the in what I wrote. You know, I, I got up around fifteen, sixteen other words, and I said, hey, you know, I got to edit myself here a little bit <laughs> because it was just uh, it, it's a really fun read. It's really a good read. Uh, but but one thing that, that that Ray Allen does in the book uh, is that he does he expresses a lot of regret. You know, I mean, he expressed regret uh, over, for, for instance, when. Uh, um, when, when he left the Celtics and decided, okay, well, I'm going to sign with Miami, um, he, he didn't tell anybody else on the Celtics until it came out in the media. Uh, and he really felt bad about that, according to what he, what he wrote in the book. He felt like, uh, especially Paul Pierce, he should have told him uh, before anybody uh, uh, else knew. And uh, uh, so, so, for example, there's that. Or, or there's, he talks about the, uh, some moments early on in his relationship uh, with Kevin Garnett in Boston where, uh, you know, some of the tension that that wound up later could have been handled better by 
uh, you know, by making a joke of things or making light of things or, uh, you know, doing something a little different. He, he does express a lot of regret. So, you know, I think if you, if you read what I wrote, you might say, well, Ray Allen's just, you know, setting everything on fire. And that, that's really not the tone of the book. Uh, and I, I probably should have made that clearer in the article. But uh, uh, so, so, you know, I, I think that there is a little more credence to what he says when you put it into that context. Uh, and he went through, you know, everything that happened when the when, when the Celtics, uh, um, you know, when they, when he left the Celtics, and 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 what they offered, and how he wound up, you know, taking less money, and and uh, and, and all that, and and some of the conversations he had with Kevin Garnett at that time. So I think when you read it, uh, he does come off as credible. Uh, you know, obviously you're getting his point of view on things, and he doesn't talk a lot about. Uh, you know the the bone spurs that he had uh, uh, late late in the season that year, or or the way that Avery Bradley played. Uh, you know he doesn't talk a lot about that, but but uh, but, but certainly uh, uh, I think when you read the book, you can you can understand his point of view and 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 at least see that uh, uh, I, I think he's being honest. Do you think Rondo really told all those guys in 2008, "I carried you all to a championship"? I think that I think that's true. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> he he said that. I think it was 2011. I have to double check the book. I think it was 2011. Okay. He said that. That was when that was when Rondo was getting really surly. You know, yeah. that was that was the, the the water bottle into the TV, all that sort of stuff. Uh, all that stuff was going on that year. It was not a very good year that uh, uh, that year for the for the Celtics. Uh, there was a lot of tension in the locker room. Uh, a lot of guys uh, uh, who were bickering at each other. Uh, you know, Ray Allen talked about uh, when when Rondo said that. Uh, I believe it was uh, uh, late in that season, and 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 during a game in Indiana. Uh, Brandon Bass and Paul Pierce were going at it, going at it with each other on the floor, and then and then it carried off uh, into the locker room. That's something that uh, uh, that I hadn't I'd never heard. Uh, so you know, you, you really did have a lot of tension with that team. You're a national writer, but you were around those teams a lot in those years, and I guess it just surprises me. And maybe this is just the advancements in technology and social media, and that NBA Twitter now being what it is that didn't even exist back then, let alone being as prevalent. But you still had good writers and good reporters. The fact that much of this stuff, the the vast majority of it, really didn't come out. Does that make the success that that group had on the floor for those handful of years that much more impressive when behind the scenes clear? It wasn't all rosy. Yeah, I, I, in a way, it does. But you know, I, I, Adam, I, I don't think that's uncommon. You know, I, I, a lot of this stuff happens with, with with teams, and 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 players will sort of write it off. You know, when they speak about it publicly and say, "Well, you know, you're together a lot, and you know, it's a family argument. You know, you're always arguing with your brother, things like that." Uh, but you know, it, 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 it's usually nastier than they let on, uh, and 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 you do get uh, uh, you did get a lot of this. You know, I, I remember talking to uh, uh, Clyde Frazier uh, about those Knicks teams of the early '70s. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks of them as being you know this this great camaraderie, and they they played together, they played above their uh, you, you know above their abilities and things like that. And he, he had some stories about how much they hated Red Holtzman, how much they hated <laughs> each other, the fights. Uh, you know, racial tensions, all that sort of stuff, uh, and 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 you know, it just flies in the face of 
of what sort of the narrative is about those teams. Uh, and, and so I think that's something, you know, there's, there's great stories about Michael Jordan uh, with, with those Bulls and, and the way he treated some of his teammates uh, at the time. So you, know, you, can, you can go back through history. I think, I think uh, uh, even the best teams, even the championship teams, there's usually something under the surface there. So Ray's obviously, and you, you alluded to this with his exit, he's, he's made some mistakes with how he's operated in the public eye regarding that big three feud and some of the different things that he has said and done over the years and people who really like to cling on to all of that and and spew the anti-ray vial will look at even posting a picture on instagram of him golfing on the day of the paul pierce retirement not coming for that when it was another opportunity to potentially kind of mend fences now he and pierce have will this whole group ever figure it out will will they ever be reunited for for that big bash that it feels like we've been talking about for a couple of years or are some of these relationships whether it's alan and kg alan and rondo are they just beyond repair i, I think alan and kg are are, are within repair and, and i think they will um, I, I don't see Allen and Rondo really. I just don't. Uh, you know, Allen is, uh, uh, you know, he sees himself a certain way. He sees sort of the way you're supposed to treat others a certain way. Uh, you know, he can be a little, uh, uh, you know, a little bit uh, too prim and proper, I think, for uh, for some folks in the NBA. I think that's been something that's been true of him uh, throughout his NBA career, uh, and that's not Rondo. Uh, so I think as long as there's that tension that's and, and they're both very, very stubborn guys, I don't see those two guys uh, uh, ever mending fences. I think I think with KG he will, uh, but uh, uh, I, I, I don't see him and Rondo ever, uh, uh, you know, ever sitting down and and uh, uh, and having a cup of coffee with each other. Well, last thing for you here, away from all those guys, NCAA tournaments underway. It's looking like the C's are going to pick late in the first round, and and that'll be it there. You know, barring a, a trade up, are there any guys that you think fans should be particularly paying attention to right now? Uh, you know, for, for for the Celtics, I I don't know. You know, I. I uh, I, I, from what I understand, uh, and and you know, Adam, I just talked to I just talked to GMs and and scouts. I I, I can't watch a guy and and uh, and say, okay, yeah, he's going to be great. And, yeah, I'm just not good at that. <laughs> but 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 just the conversations that I've had with with people who do know, uh, you know, it's a pretty top heavy draft. Uh, so I you know I don't know that uh, uh, that there's that there's going to be uh, uh, some real difference makers. Uh, you know, the kid from Michigan I like uh, the, the, the German kid uh, Wagner. Um, you know, he's, uh, I, I, I like his game and I think that he would fit pretty well with the Celtics. And I think he'll be, uh, around as a, as, as a late first round pick, uh, if they have a, a good run and he continues to play well, he played well in the big 10 tournament. Uh, if he continues to play well, then, uh, uh, he might not be around when the Celtics pick, but, uh, uh, you know, just as that stretch four who can do a, a few other things, he's not bad going down in the post either, but, uh, uh, but, but he can shoot it at his, I think he's six eleven. uh, maybe even seven feet. So, uh, you know, Wagner, I, I think he would be a guy uh, uh, who, who might be a pretty good fit with the Celtics. Uh, so, yeah, I, if I had to pay attention to, to to one guy, I would probably say that, uh, that that to me would be a good fit for them. Boy, I never say never, I guess, but uh, in saying never, it would have been nice if that Lakers pick converted. I just, you know, nobody uh, envisions that happening at this point. Well, I'll tell you, Sacramento's going to be real bad next year. (laughs) (laughs) Something to look forward to. Find out what that draft looks like. Sean Devaney from Sporting News. Sean, thanks a lot. Okay, Adam, thank you.
So great stuff from Sean. Always a great guest, so no surprise there. Make sure you check out his stuff on Twitter and read that Ray Allen recap because it, it really is interesting. He wrote about a lot of stuff that we didn't even touch on there in the interview. But let's go to your Twitter questions. You can always get them in at Adam M. Kaufman. Best place to do that. From Rupert, can Tice be back for the playoffs? No. What would the timetable for Smart be if he undergoes surgery? No idea. I'd presume he won't play this year if he does have surgery. He would be done even for the playoffs, but I'm not a doctor. It's just educated guess. And would Kyrie's knee be an issue in the future? Well, I've, I've hit on this a lot. You know, I, I would be somewhat leery of it. Listening to Sean there, he thinks that it really wouldn't be all that big an issue and, and isn't concerned about it. I just think, you know, once you have a knee issue, even if you do have it surgically repaired to whatever degree they would be doing that, I don't know if it's massive or clean up or what, it's something that, you know, those things can always come back. You know, knees, feet, hips. I mean, these are some of the things that I just, I, I back, I, I don't trust. They make me nervous with injuries in, in whatever the sport. This next question from Dan, actually multiple people. Do you feel that Kyrie is a lock to re-sign with the Seas? And do you think Rozier may want to sign elsewhere when he becomes a free agent so that he can run his own team? Uh, On the Kyrie part first, I mean, I don't think he's a lock because obviously anything can happen. But I think that's what both sides want. You know, especially provided the knee is fine. Celtics are going to want to max him out. And as long as he's happy here, you know, we'll see what next year brings with uh, hopefully a healthy Irving and Hayward and Horford and Smart and Brown and Tatum. And I don't know what kind of shakeups may or may not happen and, and any massive trades or whether it's largely the same core. They go out and contend for an NBA championship or, or at least reaching the NBA finals as they all, I would believe, expect they're capable of doing. Then why would he want to go anywhere if He's happy, and I I include that last part with emphasis because he was in that position with LeBron in Cleveland. He wasn't happy, right? So if he's happy... And no, I wouldn't suspect he's going to want to go anywhere. As far as Rozier, you know the old expression, well, that's a that's a problem for tomorrow. I don't think that's an issue for the Celtics at all right now because he's not even an RFA, let alone a free agent, until after his rookie deal, which is what, after next year. So this isn't a pressing concern for the team at all. They just want him to keep playing as well as he's playing and then worry about that down the line. But sure, he may not want to get trapped behind Kyrie Irving, and I've, and I've discussed that on, on past podcasts quite a bit. Josh writes, hey, Adam, you think the Celtics have a legit chance, especially with all these injuries to win the East? I'm going to say if all of these injuries are still prevalent, the answer is no, they, they definitely don't. I'm not talking about the regular season. I'm talking about coming out of the Eastern Conference and, and representing the East in the NBA Finals. I just, if, if Irving is off, if Smart is not there, Hayward doesn't come back, and, and whatever, exclude Hayward from the conversation. If, you, if Irving is not himself and Smart is not himself, then no, I don't think they can get there. I think that the Raptors are too much. I think the Cavs, I, I'm just never going to count out the Cavs with LeBron James when it comes playoff time in a seven-game series. I'm not. A whole bunch more from you guys. I just don't, I'm sorry, I don't think we have time because we're already running a little bit long with this one. But like I said, continue to get your questions in. I'll hit as many as I can on, uh, actually on Twitter, but at Adam M. Kaufman. Continue to get them in. We'll continue to do great shows here. Everybody, such a big part of that. Sean Devaney today from Sporting News, Nick and Larry and Evan and John and all these guys at CLNS Media. We always want your feedback, like I said, be it on Twitter or on iTunes itself. Leave the ratings, leave comments, 
subscribe to the shows. I can't say that enough. Subscribe to the shows because you're not going to get it every single Sunday like you used to. You're going to get it on random days like a Thursday today. So subscribe on iTunes and we'll continue to give you great content as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Hopefully with a team that is a heck of a lot healthier than it is right now heading to Orlando. All right, let's see some Geno at the Garden sometime soon, maybe after this next stretch of 8 of 10 on the road. Thank you, Geno. Thank you to you. I'm Adam. See you later.